have a primary text. Uh, I will be covering uh, several scriptures today. Um, but this is a very, very different for your pastor. Um, I truly tremble this morning at the responsibility um, for this. I grew up in Pentecostal charismatic circles, and I am grateful. I'm grateful for a heritage that included the teaching and the preaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and on all of the gifts. The Bible tells us to earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit. And one of the things I experienced in my early years was that through the preaching primarily, but occasionally through a person or circumstances or a song, or a whisper of the Holy Spirit, I felt as a believer that I heard a word from the Lord. A word, a sentence, a phrase. Uh, see, there's logos. There's me teaching you line by line, uh, repetitive, doctrinal, systematic theology, which brings knowledge. Now, without the Spirit quickening that knowledge, knowledge puffeth up. But if the Scripture quickens it, it creates a maturation in the life of the believer. But a word from the Lord can never usurp the Scripture. It will never contradict the Scripture. It will not con contradict what the Holy Spirit's doing in the life of the believer in the sense of towards godliness. There'll be no confusion there. But there are avenues where the scripture don't cover, like, Lord, where should I go to work? And you open your Bible, thou shalt go to Geico. There's nothing in there that says, you know. So this person who's unemployed and this daddy, and I want you to feel the emotions of this, from the introduction to the, the uh, simple illustrations. That man needs a word from the Lord, when he knows that there's this much money in the account and there's nothing in savings and children, school is coming up and it may sound simple to you, but for the provider, they need clothes and, and I, I want to I be able to do this, not luxury. I just, I, Lord, I need a word from you, where to go, what to do. A mama whose husband has fell off the tracks and left the Lord and he no longer worships with the family and he's actually pulling the children away from the Lord but he's still a believer and there's no grounds for divorce and she knows she's supposed to stay but she doesn't know how to deal with him you're not going to find that in Nehemiah necessarily she said Lord I just stand before you and I'm the wife of this husband and I'm going to keep my vows but I need a word from you I need to know the what the when the how the pace I know when to I need to know when to say a little something and I know when to pull a pin out of a grenade and throw it in there I need to know the difference so I don't kill him before it's time I need to know I need a word from the Lord and the word of the Lord comes to enlighten us after Abraham went and won back Lot uh, from King uh, Shalomaner, something like that. I can't remember exactly. Please forgive me. Genesis 15. The Lord revealed to him a word of the Lord. It said, the word of the Lord came to, Jeremiah, uh, to Abraham and said, I'm your shield. I'm the reason you beat those five kings. There was a revelation to him. He trained farmhands 
And they, they went back and captured all of the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah before they were destroyed, which is a totally different sermon, rescued Lot, and the word of the Lord came to Abraham and said, I'm your shield. Abraham didn't know that till the word of the Lord came to him. The word of the Lord comes to guide us. He told Abraham as well in Genesis 15, he talked about Ishmael. He said, this is not your heir. This one here, but he that will come forth from your own bowels, from Sarah's womb, that shall be your heir. A word of the Lord. You'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. When you first walk with the Lord and you're first saved, he walks side by side with you. There are many times he walks in front of you and asks you to follow. But then there are the other times. This is when you need the word of the Lord for your life. And again, it is never, ever ever more accurate or to be esteemed than the word of God you hold in your lap. That's the more sure word of prophecy. But in those moments when you can't see the Lord, you can't feel the Lord, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it, to give you direction. The word of the Lord is given to discipline us. Like Nathan, when he got the word of the Lord and went to King David and said, thou art the man. To encourage us. And remind us in the dark what we knew in the light. The word of the Lord is to give us courage where we are. And the word of the Lord came to Moses when they were standing at a sea with Pharaoh's army behind them. He said, fear not and stand still uh, uh, by the word of the Lord. And I'm sorry, fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he's going to show you today. And as for the Egyptians, this was the word from the Lord, you're going to see them no more forever because the Lord is going to fight for you and you are going to hold your peace. That one word changed cowards into conquerors. And when that sea began to open up, oh, don't just read it like it was a, a fiction. When that sea began to open up and they walked on dry land, it rained so much in the last several days, uh, we just stopped, we sold all our chickens. I bought ducks. We're going to raise ducks at the house. We, just rain and it's still wet. Everything's wet. Drive a car, tracks. Drive a little gator, tracks. Walk a dog, tracks. Tore everything up. The ground is saturated. This is a sea that has never felt the warmth of sunlight. It rolled up on its side and they walked across on dry ground. And some of you overprotective mamas, you know who you are. You got little girls that are walking right beside you holding your hand and a little boy with a stick running down the side of the water like this, like, get back over here. Like it's safer in the middle than it would be over here. Just, just, just an idea, just a thought. But Moses said, don't you worry about this army behind us. The word of the Lord came to me. Stand still, which means stop talking, be attentive and watch. And as for these guys, you will never see them again. And the sea backed up and got out of the way and they walked on dry ground. From a word from the Lord. It gives us insight on that which is to come. When God gave Paul the revelation of the rapture and he said, comfort one another with these words. It gives us uh, not just courage for where we are and insight on for which is to come. It gives clarity for that which is behind us. The Bible said the word of the Lord tried Joseph until the time that the word came. 
Say what? He gave him the two dreams about how the, the, the bales of wheat would bow down to him and that the stars would bow down to him and it didn't really make sense. And in the wait and in the process, the Bible said he was laid into irons, chains, for so long that the irons worked their way into his soul. But the word of the Lord, when it accomplished what it wanted to, it gave him the ability to look backwards and piece together confusion and discouragement and despondency and disillusionment and articulate it in such a way that it brings glory to God. When he saw his brothers, after all those years, the brothers who said, let's kill him. Oh, let's just throw him in a well and let him die. Or let's sell him to the Israelites. When he saw him, the, the word of the Lord, the Bible says, tried him. The promises that he got. He got those promises. He realized in that moment when his brothers came back looking for food and they didn't recognize him, but he recognized them. Isn't it something that the people that betrayed him were still recognizable? But God had so glorified him that his brothers didn't know who he was. And he said, oh, you meant it to me for evil, but God meant it unto me for good. See, a word from the Lord gives you the capacity when you live it out to look behind you and make sense of that which was confusing while you were in it. I'm convinced today that we are in great need, not just each day, but today. Today, for a word from the Lord, God's word is the bread that, can, that sustains us. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Not proceeded. Proceedeth. Now, there's a fine line here which people cross and lead into great error. They'll say, God still talks. Yes, he does. But he never passes when he speaks to me as an individual it is never with the clarity and the authority and the preeminence and the dependability of the word of God he still speaks but that is fact that he, he kept it so perfect that he kept man's intentions out of it, man's ideologies out of it. See, I can hear a word from the Lord. Have you ever played that game where somebody tells somebody something and somebody tells somebody something and by the time you get to the end, the first person goes, I don't know what they're talking about. And it's not that we're not supposed to want the, the word from the Lord, but we just need to understand that it is not the Bible. But he still speaks. He still proceeds from his mouth. The word of the Lord is an expression of the person of God. Revealing the will of God. With the instruction of God. Fulfilled by the power of God. And it is perfect. It is always perfect. Accurate. Unmistakable. Revelatory. and dependable. It is a divine decree. It could be an eternal promise, a, a solid anchor, and sufficient to strengthen and sustain you in the worst of times. It may come with many, few, or little details, or no details, and maybe with no explanation. But to the person that listens, he that hath an ear, 
will hear words that proceed from the mouth of God for them. I believe there are people here today that if I were to summarize your greatest need, let's say you came into the building, uh, a doctor's office, and you'd say, my greatest need is, you know, some would say inflammation, or I have an earache, or I have a broken arm. There are people in this room that would say, my greatest need today is a word from the Lord. Not a sermon about him, not a lesson explaining him, not a song sung to him, and not, not even an opportunity to better serve him. And all of these are good, all of these are necessary, and all of these are expected. But where you sit today and what you're facing today and how you feel today and what looms ahead of you tomorrow, you need a word from the Lord. Not an encouraging voice, not emotional support, not a friend to sit in the ashes with you like Job's friends, not a motivational speech or anything to inspire you. If you, something said like, if you don't like your life, change it. I don't need a hashtag. I don't need a quip or a quote. I need to be able to leave today and say with clarity, looking anyone in the eye, today I heard from the Lord for my life. It is to you that I'm preaching today. You do not need inspiration. You need revelation. You do not need motivation to rise from within, but a message to descend from above. You have lifted up your eyes into the hills from whence cometh your help, and your ears are open and tuned into heaven's frequency alone, exclusively, and nothing else will do. It is to you I humbly and with much trembling offer you that which may be for you today. A word from the Lord. Now, before I pray for myself, uh, I want to give you this disclaimer. I am not a prophet, yet I believe at times the Lord allows me to prophesy. I am very flawed, and I have very little confidence in myself. But I ask the Lord today to use me... That, in a topic like this, those of you that have ever taught or preached, you know I could write a hundred things. Maybe write two hundred things. And it's going to hit someone. That you, preachers sadly do it all the time. Somebody here needs help, you know. But I prayed all day yesterday and all during the night and during this morning. I said, narrow it down. Let, Lord, let me send forth something that even if it's simple enough to apply to everyone, to the person it goes to, it will be like a rock, a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. It'll be like a fire shut up in their bones. It will be so clarion, so personalized, so perfect. It fits so seamlessly that it will be for you that which you hold on to and carries you from where you are today to where God wants to take you tomorrow. A word from the Lord. So, pray for me this morning, please, as I pray for myself. Lord, one of my greatest fears is to be like prophets in the Old Testament that you said, they spoke for me, but I never sent them. And I wouldn't want to, I don't want to do that, Lord. I pray that you would guard my tongue and limit my words. I don't care if I stumble and stammer and I'm hard to listen to. 
Let me say the words you would have me to say today that it might go like water to the lowest place and find its place in the heart of that person that is longed for you and cried out to you and says, God, if I don't hear from you, I don't know what I'm going to do. Let this be one of those days that this simple preacher offers a simple statement with profound impact. For the glory of your son, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I wrote down six things, and if the Lord doesn't give me a check on one of them, you'll have six, and if he doesn't add any more, you'll have six, but there's six on the paper. The first word I believe that he wants me to share with you is this, follow me. He would just walk up to James and John, who had a fishing business, and he'd say, follow me. That was it. No explanation. No, where are we going? Not what are we going to do? No answer to the question that was not asked, what of my fishing business? What of my parents? What of my friends? What of my goals? What of my dreams? What of my pleasures? Just follow me. The invitation to absolute lordship. Where you go, I go. Where you point, I point. How long halt ye between two opinions? If God be God, then serve him. And how can you serve him if you don't follow him? We are hesitant to follow him because if we look at his life, his walk, his life was a narrow life. His life was a despised life. Yeah, there were miracles, but it was only for selfish reasons that the crowd was gathered. He was maligned, mocked, misinterpreted, misunderstood, abandoned, betrayed, suffered, eventually dying on a cross for the sins of those that hated him. We can't follow the Lord without walking the path the Lord walked. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. Follow me into a consecrated life. Follow me in a life that leads to this place. Jesus, all human, all divine, not half man, half God, fully human, fully divine. When he came to the Garden of Gethsemane and he knew that on that night and the next day what he would suffer, because many times, do you remember he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things, many things. He prayed this prayer. Now, will you, will you take the time to enter into this prayer and feel the humanity of it? He said, if there's any other way, I'll take it. What was ahead of him was so bad. I, I read into it that it's, you don't even have to tell me what it is. Just pick it and I'll take it. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. We are unfulfilled, we are anemic, and we are joyless because we are spending all of our spiritual energy trying to get God to bless us in the path that we have chosen instead of walking in the path that he has chosen. Follow me. Or well, what if they don't go? 
then you leave them. Follow me. No man that loveth family, uh, friends, possessions. When he told the man, one thing thou lackest, you love money more than me. Come on, come on. And the man went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. Follow me. Follow me immediately without question or fear. Although it may not be the way you would go, follow me. Follow me willingly. Follow me humbly, faithfully, consistently, joyfully, carefully. I will lead you along the best pathway for your life. It's not just the lordship issue. It's the, it's the revelation issue. Okay, Lordship, follow me. Will I tell you why or not? With no promises. But he's also told me, he said, I will lead you along the best pathway for your life. The best pathway might be the hardest pathway that leads the greatest eternal glory. There is a way that seemeth right unto man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. That's why it's imperative that you know his voice. And don't let men lead you. Don't, don't go to some self-proclaimed prophet that tells you which way to go when God says you'll hear a voice behind you. His voice. Don't ask some man that has the gift of prophecy. And I'll get into this later, but let me tell you about the gifts of the Spirit, the gift of prophecy, the gift of healings, the gifts of word of knowledge. They are more about the moment than the man. The gifts of healing doesn't mean that I can heal people. If so, take your gifts of healing and empty out the hospital. But it's when the Spirit moves upon that man, those gifts are, are operative. A word of knowledge that comes. I can't just turn it on and then turn it off when I want to. So if I'm going to some man for guidance, how do I know if he's on or off? Now, so how does the Lord use the gift of prophecy? Confirmation. If you feel the Lord pushing, moving, guiding, directing, leading, and somebody comes up to you and says, I feel the Spirit of the Lord is saying, and it's an echo of what you've already heard, you see that that little small person just gave you that last little nudge to push you over the tempting point for you to say, I know it's the Lord. Number two, let it go. Do I need to explain what let it go means? Some of us, well, I'm, I'm letting it go gradually. You can't let something go gradually any more than you can kind of be pregnant or kind of shoot a shotgun. <laughs> Did you cheat on your diet? Well, uh, kind of. Let it go. That thing that someone did to you or did not do for you. That thing that will not stop bleeding and stays infected because you keep picking at it. Every time you tell it, even if you tell it in sweetness and meekness, you pick at that scab and you rehearse it and it won't ever heal. That thing someone said to you or about you that hurt you, that crushed you, that diminished you, that changed you. 
and even became you. I know y'all, there are people in this room, listen, all I got is my stories, but if, if we did Mike night and some people could come up and tell you what was said or done to them, your jaw would hit the ground if you knew. Hit the ground. Oh, no, you can't shock me. Oh, no. Trust me, what I hear in that office. But there are things said that change you. I remember a man that come into the foyer one day as greeting people. He just walked up to me and said, just want you to know I wouldn't walk across the street to hear you preach. Walked off. Well, if you're self-confident and you know the Lord called you, no, I still remember what I felt like and I remember going in my office and crying, not because he hurt my feelings, because I already felt so inadequate and unlearned and uneducated and I feel like the little boy offering him bread and, and fish and all these other men are with his great expository gifts and talents and abilities and intellect and it's just another reminder that I'm never going to be great for God. And this man's statement, you know, had another one. And, you know, when they're absurd, they don't go into your heart as much. Had one person say that I was the pastor of the whore of Babylon. You know what my first thought was? It was comedic. I went, dang, that's a large church. That's that the first thing I thought about. I've had them say that I owned a nightclub. And that my wife did table dances. Seriously. That's how you got your first condo. That person that betrayed you, abandoned you, maligned you, stole from you, or even ruined you. That sin and weight that is so easily besetting you and hindering you from running the race of your heavenly calling. That anger that's just below the surface. That cynicism that cannot be hidden. And the unforgiveness that is destroying you from the inside out. What will it take for you to cut the cord and let it go? Because if you cut it from the supply, it will die. When I was a little boy... I was not a smart boy. I've shared my stories of ignorance with you. One time I was, Kelly, help me remember my story about the hand because I forget. You know, back then we didn't have Xboxes and PlayStation 19s and we couldn't connect with someone in India and play with them. We had sticks. <laughs> I tell my mom all the time, she goes, oh, don't tell that. They think I'm horrible. No, they don't. They think I'm funny. They don't think you're horrible. <laughs> For Christmas one time, I got a broom handle. Mama cut the broom off. She goes, now this right here is a bat. It's a baseball bat. It's a sword. It's a hammer. And she told me, oh, this is a multi-purpose toy, you know. But y'all remember when we made our own fun, go outside and play? You never said, with what? Whatever you can find, baby. Sheet metal, a tree limb that fell down. Y'all remember having pine cone wars with them heavy green pine cones? Some people still carry scars where they were hit like in the fat roll with that green pine cone. So we were out there throwing golf balls against the street. And I was like, I just had inspiration. I always had a good arm. 
always had a good arm. Every sport I ever played, I threw. Shortstop, quarterback. There wasn't a lot of things I could do, but I could throw. And I just, it just something come on me that this was a divine moment. And, you know, guys were throwing it against the street, and it would go up, you know, go to as high as a limb or high as a telephone pole. Right, give me the ball. And I didn't say it, but I said it. This is going to be <laughs> the highest golf ball off the street episode that has ever been seen by mankind. <laughs> Y'all remember Six Million Dollar Man? Okay. See, one of the benefits of having an old church, you know, yeah. Okay. Straight back. Hematoma the size of a tomato. I come inside. I've propped it up. I say, Mama, Mama, Mama. She goes, what, what? And I let go of it and then hung down. She goes, oh. Mama, faint. Mama goes out. Got to get a neighbor, you know. Wisdom was born that day. You know, you just see other little kids throwing a golf ball. Don't throw that against the street. Okay. That had nothing to do with sermon. I just wanted to tell you the story. <laughs> Stupid tax is what we call it. Well, one day my brother Jim and I were playing Frisbee with a pork and bean lid about this big. <laughs> well, you ain't going to catch it because, it, you know, the heavy veers off. So he throws it and it lands on some steps. It's like trying to catch an Arby's roast beef machine coming at you, you know. <laughs> so he throws it on some steps and I go to get it and he pushes me and it goes into my hand. And when I pulled it out, my hand flopped back. There was like 38 stitches. I can show you the scar. Now, mama didn't faint with the hematoma, but this one, she, I mean, blood curt. I come in and like, mama! My hand's flopping back. She, gone, gone. Mama's gone. We had to get grandma, nanny, neighbors. Mama got to the hospital, but initially it was like, you know, my baby's hand is cut off. Okay. So they stitched it up. Do you know I never threw a pork and bean lid ever again after that? I, I just never did. Okay. But they stitched it up. They cleaned it out. They put the antibiotics in to make sure that it wouldn't get sick. And it ran from here. I can show you the length of my hand. Now watch. God designed me to heal. As long as I left it alone and let him do his thing. Scars are not the same thing as open wounds. And we have many scars. But some of you have open wounds because you will not leave the stitches alone. Let it go. Let them go. But they don't. Let them go. Let it go. Don't let their words define you. Don't let their actions, what they did, what they didn't do. Stop. Man, they stole all those other years. Don't give them another day. Let it go. Let it go. Pray for those that despitefully use you. Bless them that curse you. Let it go and live. Number three. Is my time right? 11.45. Oh, we get good. And y'all did good this morning losing an hour of sleep. All you tired folk. 
I don't ever hit snooze. I hit it this morning. I had to hurry a little bit. Okay. Number three, I offer this to you. I can't say, thus saith the Lord, inspiration, but I can say it from Scripture. I think the Lord wants me to tell you, I will not, nor have I ever. That statement, you want to write it down. I will not, nor have I ever, lied to you. I will not leave you. I will not fail you. I will not betray you, mislead you, or give you false hope. I will not waste one thing in your life that I am not working for an eternal glory for you. I will not forget you. I will not misplace you. I will not lose interest and I will not care less for you. If only you knew how much you moved my heart. I've mentioned this before, but you know how we get revelations at different places. We get them at work. We get them at Sunday school. We get them at church. We get them studying our word. We get them through family, friends, enemies. We learn. I remember the first, like yesterday, we took our little girls to the doctor and I, I couldn't go in. I tried to go in with Kelly to get them the shots and, and when they, I, 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 I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So I took one out while the other one got her 63 shots, you know. And Isabel was sitting in my lap holding the car seat, like this, holding the uh, steering wheel. And she just turned and looked at me. And in that moment, I had never felt what I felt And I felt the Lord whisper to me, said, she moves you, doesn't she? She, she moves your heart, doesn't she? I was like, oh, yeah. You do that for me. It's not who she was. It's whose she was. And you need to write it on your refrigerator. He will not. Cannot. Will not. Harm you. He may hurt you. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, when I go to the dentist, I spent an hour and a half in a chair the other day and just about asked the Lord to take me on home. I said, it's just the same to me. They hurt me. And then two days later, I realized they didn't harm me. And the Lord will do some things, pruning and chastenings that hurt you, but he will never harm you. Number four. I believe the Lord would let me, have me tell you, I know. I know you intimately. Deeply, intentionally, perfectly, and currently. I know you. Period. Your fears, your failures, your tendencies, your idiosyncrasies, what makes you laugh and what makes you cry. I, have, I know and I've watched your sleepless nights and relentless tears. 
I know what you're up against and the odds are stacked against you. And I know that you're losing hope and your strength is failing. But I also know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. The plans to prosper you and to protect you and to give you a hope and bring you to an expected end, a glorious end, an eternal end. I know you're confused, but I'm not. I know you are weak, but I am not. I know you. And you don't have to be all that you can be as long as I am who I am. He's with you. Stop updating me. I got it. Omniscient, all-knowing. Lord, I need to talk to you. You'll never guess what happened this week. Hope, sit down. I hope you got a while. I got it. Current. And I know this is a silly illustration. This changed my prayer life. When it said the hairs of your head are numbered. That doesn't mean that he knows how many are up there. He said that they were numbered. He knows the numbers of the one that came out in the brush. Now some of us are keeping him busier than others in this place. He knows the numbers. Why would he put that in Scripture? What does that have to do with sanctification, consecration, the end of the age? He wants me to know he's current with me. And he knows the numbers of the hairs that remain. He's, he didn't count them. He, he knows. Well, Lord, I don't feel you near. I know. But that don't change the fact that I'm near. I don't see you working. I know. And see, there's, a, there's a, a corrective. Well, I know that. That's not how he does. As I know. I pity your frame. I know. But I'm a good father. And even if you don't know where we're going, I do. And if you don't know how we're going to get there. I do. I love when he asked the disciple, he said, now, how, where are we going to get the money to feed all these people? And then it said, but Jesus already knew what he was going to do. God has a plan. God is working the plan. And God will finish the plan. Here's the word for you. I know. Well, it don't look like you know. I don't see no. I know that you don't think I know. But I know what you don't know. I'm not like you, John. I'm not an extended version of you. Holy does not imp primarily imply pure. It means altogether different than you. He's keeping up with everything. Everything, the ecosystems, the solar system, everything is held in place by the word of his power. And if he knows, then he's just waiting on timing. Because the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. Number five. How is it that you have no faith? I believe the Lord would want me to ask you a question tenderly but firmly. How is it that you have no faith? Have you forgotten your exodus? Have you forgotten how I released you from Pharaoh's strong arm and the bondage you were in? Have you forgotten the new heart I gave you? Your new mind, your first steps and how far you've come? 
Have you forgotten that I am the Lord God Almighty and there is nothing too difficult for me? How is it that you have no faith? Have you forgotten that I was the one that invited you to pray? I'm the one that promised to listen and I'm the one that swore to answer. Have you forgotten all that we've been through? Just that phrase. Look over your shoulder. All that we've been through. And I'm not trying to be melodramatic. If you live a full life and you're, if you're a faithful, stable Christian, I mean you're sound in doctrine, sound in faith, you'll come to two or three times in your life where you're going to wonder if you're going to make it. Like yesterday, I remember asking my sister, Leanne Nichols, in my office. I asked her to come in. I left the door cracked out of respect for her. I said, you've never lied to me, have you? And she said, no. I said, Am I going to make it? She said, yes, John, you're going to make it. When we forget what he's brought us through, we have fear of what is to come. The Lord says, have you forgotten how I sustained you? Fifty-something years married. What am I going to do when you don't wake up to the person? You, how am I going? No answers except one little promise, one word from the Lord. My grace will be sufficient. I don't feel it. It'll be sufficient. I don't see it. It'll be sufficient. God, I'm being honest with you. It won't be. I, I, I want to believe. I believe your word. But you, you, you don't understand. He's, I know. And I had periods in my life. A period. And I may have said this recently. When you're my age, you forget who you tell and how often. But it's still true. Yeah. <laughs> if you would have hooked me up to a lie detector test on this stage. During those dark years. And said, John Wood, will you make it as a devout Christian and pastor? I would have answered no. And the man reading the thing said, he's telling the truth. And I made it anyway. Why? Because his grace is sufficient. <laughs> Even when you can't see it. You ain't got to see it for it to be true. I don't see gravity, but I'm not jumping off this thing anytime soon. I believe it to be true. He wants you to know you can trust him in every situation, in every season, in every way to do the best thing, to do the right thing, to do the God-honoring thing, to do it at the pace that you can travel and it will accomplish all the purpose attached to it. I believe the Lord wanted you to know Oh, y'all, I've went almost to 12. I'm, uh, okay. I was there the day you were born and the day you were reborn. And it was I who caused it and saw it through. And you're fearfully and wonderfully made just as I planned in perfect wisdom. Ben, if you would come. Finally. Finally, I believe the Lord would have me say this to you. Don't quit. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, if you're in an abusive relationship and, you know, a man's molesting your child or 
uh, someone's harming you, don't quit. People can take something like this and say, well, the Lord told me not to quit. No, his word is clear on what you don't have to put up with, an unfaithfulness and such. But don't quit, even if you're exhausted. Even if you are apathetic, disappointed, and unanswered. Seemingly unanswered. Don't quit. In your confusion, if the lights have gone off, don't quit. Don't quit even though quitting is easy, convenient, and popular among those who are departing from Christ. Don't quit because you've come too far. It has cost too much. And if, it, if you quit today, it will be as if you never started. My spirit within you, my promises upon you, my supply running through you guarantees that you have enough to finish. Don't quit, for Christ is at the door, the trumpet is about to sound, the archangel is about to scream, and all who are born from above who are looking for him, shall he appear without sin unto salvation. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Um, I know we have our situations with our kids, and everyone does not have to stay, but this is one of those days I want to pray for, for you individually. You, you don't have to have my prayers but maybe the Lord will use me today to confirm something in your heart now it could be more than one but I'm going to give you an invitation to the altar and then we're going to let others be dismissed that need to if you feel like the Lord the predominant word for you was follow me I want you to just come stand over here in a group if you will if that's you. And you, again, you don't have to wait on me. You can just pray and leave if you want to. But I will, I will, I'm going to make myself available to pray for each person. If you're in the group, let it go. Right here between this section, right here. Those on follow me, just go further down that way. Something to let go. Let it go. It, it, that you got to quit. You got to cut that out. You have to let it go. Those whose word was, I will not, you know, I won't lie to you. I won't leave you. I won't fail you. You, you, got, you got to stop living wondering if God's going to fail or somehow not be there. I want you right here in the middle. The one that doesn't feel like God knows. He doesn't know the details. He doesn't know the situation. He doesn't know my difficulty. And God's saying the word to you, I know. I want you to come stand here. To the one, how is it that you have no faith? I just struggle. I go from faith to unbelief, faith to unbelief, faith to unbelief. I'm double-minded. I want you to stand right over here. And the one who is thinking of or walking away from the Christ. I'm at the point of quitting. I'm right there. I think about it. I want you to come stand right over here. Are there any there? 
The rest of you may stay or reverently leave. If you have kids, you can go and pick them up. But I want to pray with these people today. If you want to stay in the sanctuary and pray with us and join us, this is just going to be a time when we're asking the Lord to use the spiritual gifts, maybe of, of prophecy or a word of knowledge. And I'll need y'all to remind me on the...